Welcome to Culture Conversations, a podcast that helps disciples make disciples in today's world. I'm Chris Moran, host of Culture Conversations, and today you'll be hearing from Timothy Brindle. Tim is a husband, father, hip-hop artist, author, and youth pastor. In this episode, Tim shares his conversion story, his switch from making secular music to explicitly Christ-centered music, and his journey into fatherhood. I trust you'll be encouraged. Well, brother, thank you so much for doing this interview. I know you're a busy, busy man, so I really appreciate it. Bro, it's a blessing to me, and I'm honored to be on it with you. And um, yeah, I look forward to continuing to stay connected in, in fellowship and gospel uh, ministry labors together. For sure. Hey, I got to tell a story real quick, man. Go ahead, the first man. time we met, it was in 2003, and you were at Mr. Small's Theater for the Pittsburgh Shine con- uh, concert. Do you remember this? I do, man. That's where um, there were... There were a, a handful of um, breakers and, and poppers. Yep. Um, yeah, bro. That was. Um, I, I have I have some memories of that. I th- it was it was me and DJ Essence. Yep. Yep. Was Shy there too? Shy was not there for this okay, one, and you were headlining one. the event. And I don't okay. think many people from Pittsburgh knew who you were. And you know, right. you came out with your backpack on and a, and a jacket, and you slowly you know, crept toward the stage and did an acapella. And I remember the back row just kind of backing up as you, as you were spitting, cause you were so aggressive. That it was, was rowdy, uh, man. Yeah, man. That, uh, I still do that when I do acapella. Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of catch people off guard. That's a little bit of the, the redeemed ambush. Yeah, man. Right. Me. So, um, and, and wow, speaking man. of ambush, you know, I, I brought my, uh, my sketchbook with me and I was showing you some of the graffiti afterward and you were like doing some throwies armor. <laughs> and, uh, and then you, I put the book away and you were like, bro, I have a desire to do another throwy. <laughs> can, you, can you give me your book again? <laughs> Man. And bro, I was so amazed um, by you um, and, and the other brothers who had got saved and were now doing um, graffiti for the Lord. That yeah. just floored me. Yeah. That was amazing. Brother Eric. Yep. Uh, E-Rock. Yep. Um, and then, around. yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, he ended up making a track for the Killing Sin album. Yeah, and didn't we press it on vinyl, uh, you and Shy and and the instrumentals that Eric made? Yes, bro. It Exactly, man. To this day, it is the only lamp mode vinyl. Look at that. <laughs> so it's the, most, it's the most pure hip-hop lamp right. mode production. <laughs> that's right, man. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that was fun, man. Yeah, and it had some Solus Christus, uh, I think, singles on the back on the B-side. Exactly. Yeah. So, brother, tell us, if you don't mind, your your background in Pittsburgh. I think a lot of people would be surprised. You're a Pittsburgh native. So tell us, if you don't mind, your early Pittsburgh years uh, into Philly and your conversion story, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yes. And so um, my parents divorced when I was five or six. It was very, very painful. Um, and my mother uh, had custody of my three brothers and I including Stephen Brindle, believe in Stephen. Um, she um, very impressively managed to um, finish school um, in order to get off of uh, welfare, uh, food stamps, which I don't even remember that um, that's how we would get food. Um, but, but that was the case. Uh, got to 
degree after degree, uh, ended up uh, with a PhD working at Carnegie Mellon. Um, the, the, the downside uh, of all of those wonderful uh, um, accomplishments on her part, um, without dad around, um, there were babysitters and we ran through a lot of them. <laughs> we ran over a lot of them. Um, and so we were discipled by MTV, BET and the world and, um, one another, you know, we were, um, by nature, children of wrath, yeah. as Ephesians two says, um, my mom eventually moved us into uh, a neighborhood near Carnegie Mellon University. Um, so, grew up going to schools in the Pittsburgh Public School District. And although I had already been influenced by hip hop culture and began um, listening to to rap music, um, and earlier on in grade school, um, being at, in the public school district uh, in Pittsburgh really immersed me into. Um, hip-hop and urban culture and man i i was in love um it, it became my identity mm. um pretty soon it became clear that i lived for acceptance um uh in particular it made my day when um african-american kids in school thought i was cool mm. um and you know, uh, I, I went to elementary school uh, that was about 50-50, uh, black yeah. and white. Um, at the time, there weren't many Asian or Latino um, people. Um, people were either uh, African-American, um, Jewish, or other European-American, sure. um, such as myself. Squirrel Hill, um, right? That's correct. Squirrel Hill uh, and then Shadyside. Um, uh, and so for middle school, I went to, East, uh, Reisenstein yeah. middle school, um, sixth through eighth grade. Reisenstein was about 75 to 85% African-American. And, um, I really enjoyed being at Reisenstein. This is really where, um, I was the cool white kid, um, in, what in years this, this would be, wow. So I started, uh, I graduated from high school in 99, so subtract yeah, four too, years man. back. Yeah. Okay, wow, all right. Um, so that means I started high school in 95. So that would have been 92 through 93 and 94 um, at uh, Stein Middle School. And this is the early this, days of like Wu-Tang Clan and Mob Deep and... Bro, some of the golden, some of the golden era, man. Right. The early '90s, and I'm grateful for my brother Steve, who really put me on to a lot of that stuff, um, as it would influence me, you know, to this day, hmm. uh, and stylistically. Sure. But that was around that time. Steve and I started to write our first rhymes. Uh, I won't, I won't repeat them for you. <laughs> um, not only for the the sake of um, them not being very edifying, but also um, a seventh grade. Uh, my first rap as a seventh grader wasn't the greatest. I remember I got on Whammo um, oh, yeah. <laughs> on on the Hotline and and, and and rhymed and we recorded that. That was my thirty seconds of fame. Yeah, man. But um, you know, at this time, Bloods and Crips were real big in Pittsburgh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and Reisenstein, um, you know, was predominantly 
uh, had students from neighborhoods that, if I'm not mistaken, were mostly for, um, uh, wore blue. And so you had to be careful wearing red. Um, I ended up at, at um, Taylor Alderdice High School. Mm-hmm. There was a two-year gap between Reisenstein and Alderdice. My mom was concerned that myself and my friends were getting into trouble um, during middle school. My brother Steve and I had some run-ins with the police um, being foolish. And um, some of my other friends were getting into trouble. I mean, we knew of um, people who, who, were, who were getting killed or, or shot. Um, and so she moved us to the suburbs of Pittsburgh and I hated it. I Where was hated it. What it. was the suburb? The, the suburb was uh, Upper St. Clair. Okay. Yeah. Upper St. Clair. Yeah. One of the reasons it was, it was a nice neighborhood. It was um, safe, um, clean and um, delightful to live in. And, and so, you know, it, it looked like uh, a, a dream come true for, for many to, to live on the, the block, the, the neighborhood that we lived in in Upper St. Clair. But I was so upset uh, leaving my friends. And now I became um, really the oddball um, um, amongst the peer, my peers in, in at school. I, I was the kid who um, really stood out by the way that I spoke, by the way that I dressed, um, and, and, and the music I listened to, um, I, I remember being called wigger and all mm-hmm. other kind of words. Um, when a, a couple guys moved into Upper St. Clair from the city of Pittsburgh, um, in fact, from some of the neighborhoods uh, near where we used to live and, 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 and uh, attended um, overlapping schools, I was thrilled. Um, I became really close friends with these two guys. Um, and at that point I found like, I, I felt like, wow, I can really be myself, mm. um, in, in being around these, these two African-American gentlemen. And so at the time, apart from Christ, it was quite clear. I was longing, uh, to find my identity in, in the impression and the acceptance that, uh, I had with others. Mm. Um, and that included, you know, um, hip hip hop culture. So eventually I was so fed up and, and, um, just discontent with living in the suburbs that I begged my mom to, for, for me, um, not my three brothers and her, but just me, if I could move into, uh, back into the city of Pittsburgh with a friend, uh, and I did. And, uh, so for 11th grade, uh, I went to Taylor Alderdice and I loved it. I was really immersed in, in, in drugs at this point. And around this time is when I really started to take um, hip-hop seriously in terms of doing it. That's when it became clearer that I had some kind of a talent for it, which I never would have expected. Um, and so me and a few of the guys at Taylor Altered, I started up a group uh, by my senior year of high school called the Deadly Scribes. Yeah. Um, we were very much influenced by Wu-Tang Clan and um, uh, a lot of other grimy, rugged East Coast hip-hop at the time, Raucous Records in particular, yep, yep. a lot of underground um, battle hip-hop. And that actually became the context for learning um, how to spit, how to rhyme. Uh, myself and a couple guys from the crew, from the Delhi Scribes crew, had the audacity 
to enter into some freestyle battles, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't know involved freestyling. <laughs> um, and yet we learned very quickly when uh, we came, you know, with our written rhymes and um, the, the, the cats uh, that we were battling um, had, had really clever, witty freestyles. We, we learned the hard way right. um, that we have to learn how to freestyle. And so this, these were the training years for us um, you know, performing at the talent show at Taylor Autodice High School. Um, and so just to talk a, b- a bit about uh, Taylor Autodice, um, a few years before I had got there, Curtis Martin, um, the, the NFL running back, had, had, had gone through uh, Taylor Autodice. But what stuck out to me was the, the legends and the stories that I heard about the race riots. Mm. A few years before I got to Autodice, there were big race riots. And so Autodice is a very interesting high school. Um, it buses students in from all different kinds of neighborhoods, mm-hmm. socioeconomically, uh, ethnically, or, or racially, if you will. Um, and not to mention, so you, you have students from uh, wealthier neighborhoods, students from predominantly Jewish um, Yeah, like Squirrel Hill is pretty wealthy. That's correct. Yep. Um, you had students coming from uh, Greenfield and mm-hmm. um, in parts of Hazelwood, which were predominantly working or, or even lower class mm-hmm. um, European American or white um, students coming from East Hills, which is predominantly Section 8 housing, mm-hmm. Homewood students who bust in um, from East Liberty, Shadyside, just all over Oakland, all over the city. And so it made for a really um, uh, unique and dynamic uh, um, diversity in the student body, which I loved. Sure. Um, and my, my friends were, were comprised of that, including the Deadly Scribes group. Um, but a couple of years before that, when I, before I arrived, there were some really bad race riots hmm. um, in which a student was actually killed, apparently, um, in one of those fights. Now, uh, while I was there, there was not necessarily race riots, um, but there were gang riots um, mm. between, between Bloods and Crips in, in particular, and, and Laws, uh, Cats oh, from... Yeah, the Law, uh, yep. That's right. Marmaraf, yep. And Wokensburg, that's correct. So being at Alderdice um, really did, it, it was the training grounds, you know, at lunch, freestyling mm-hmm. um and, and entering into ciphers uh groups of of mcs um rhyming together and so because of my love of hip-hop it really influenced me um choosing to go to temple university for college um and I did get into Temple, um, and I chose Temple. I was going to join the Navy. Um, I was going to go to Indiana University, Pennsylvania, and visited. Out, visited. Um, it, it was out in the middle of, of the boondocks. I decided not is. to do that. still is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I chose Temple um, primarily to go to Philly and to spit. You That's know, like Center point. City almost, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, Temple is in North northern philly or north philly um but it's become almost its own Mm. uh section of philly um all of the property that they have purchased um so be going to temple was 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 huge for me um musically 
Um, you know, this the roots were in Philly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chief Kamachi, Bahamadia, Jedi Mind Tricks, oh, yeah. um, other underground groups. And so uh, I went and I met another g- guy named Verbal Tech. Um, and we formed a group called Parts of Speech. And soon Dose Noun from Deadly Scribes yeah. moved out to Philly to go to Temple the following year. He he joined us in the parts of speech. This is when we really began to get more active in the battle scene, um, both in Philly and sometimes coming back to Pittsburgh um, in, in, in recording and made some albums and EPs and, and dropped vinyl. We're opening up for guys um, uh, uh, on Def Jux, yeah, uh, opened up for that. Cannibal Ox, yes, yeah. and um, and Idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you happen to be at the Scribble Jam where uh, Dose Noun won the battle? The I was not 2000s? there. Okay, I was not there. In fact, I think that happened right after I got saved. Okay, um, since all of that got interrupted by salvation. Um, but brother Chris, let me let you continue to lead the way unless I should just keep going. No, keep going, brother. I was just curious because you said no. dose noun and I remember seeing him at scribble yeah. jam battling and I think he won. If he didn't, he certainly was in the final. Yes. I believe dose noun made it very, very far. Um, a handful of times in scribble jam and, and at the super bowl, uh, mm-hmm. battle up in Boston. And so dose was much more prolific than me in terms of how many battles he got in, how many he won. Um, I had my handful of victories in, in battles, uh, tournaments in, in Philly, in Pittsburgh. Um, dose was the punchline yeah. king of the crew while verbal tech, um, was the, the delivery, uh, guru in terms of, of his smooth flow. And I just tried to learn from both of them to, to get the best of, um, what I could from verbal tech and his delivery and, and the best of what I could from dose noun and his clever, um, uh, punched lines and rhyme schemes. So yeah, the Lord, man, he just came in and totally interrupted all of that with conversion. Tell us that story. How did that happen? Yeah, so my freshman and sophomore year at Temple, while I was spitting, even though hip-hop was becoming more and more successful, my soul was dark. Um, Not only from from drug addiction and and sexual immorality, um, deep dark in my my, um, vandalism with with illegal graffiti, um, got arrested twice. Um, uh, my freshman year, um, once in Pittsburgh, once in Philly, for got painting? kicked out of the dorms for painting, man. I was so sloppy, um, <laughs> both in my, you know, being under the influence and in, and stylistically, um, as I'm talking to, to Chris Moran, the, the famous calm. Runner. I got caught once, man, uh, early on. <laughs> and, uh, from then on, I learned to run. <laughs> yes. I was, yeah, a couple of times, man, I wasn't fast enough. So, mm-hmm. um, but the Lord was arresting me with his grace. He was mm. using that. Um, and the, the darkness and the emptiness of sin, he was using that. Uh, I was in a sinful relationship with a girl my sophomore year at, at Temple. And she began going to church all of mm. a sudden. Um, I thought it was pretty corny, actually. But after she kept inviting me, I decided this could be a great way to win some points with her. <laughs> And so a week before 9-11, hmm. 
I went out, bought um, a, a five ninety nine King James Bible just to nice. play the part. Um, some Payless shoes and some slacks because you know I had to wear church clothes. And um, I showed up at her church in uh, uh, what you would call West Philly or Southwest Philly uh, near fifty first uh, uh, near near fifty second in Baltimore, actually fifty okay. third uh, in Whippy. And she wasn't there. Hmm. Um, it was amazing that I even found it because I got on the wrong trolley. At this time, I was living uh, in South Philly at 17th and Fitzwater. I got on the wrong trolley. I should have gone on the 34 trolley to get off at 52nd in Baltimore. Instead, I got on the 13 trolley. And I think I got off at about 52nd in Woodland, which is about 15 or 20 city blocks away. Oh, man. Yeah, that's I hard. had no idea where I was. And I was asking people, you know, dressed pretty funny. They probably thought I was a Mormon. <laughs> hey, where's it? Although I didn't have someone next, you know, with me. Um, hey, where is, where is this church? Uh, and I, I, I said the name of the church. Oh, I have no idea where this church, where, where it at. Oh, well. And I just kept walking and obviously the Lord was leading me and I eventually got to a fire, uh, a fire station. And then they're like, Oh, it's right around the corner. You're, you're really close. Got in. I uh, walked into the church through the wrong entrance. I walked in through the f- through the fire exit on the side. Um, the entire church. Um, <laughs> I, I was the only white person there. The entire church stared. It was a little bit awkward. Um, grew up around primarily African Americans, but it was still awkward uh, for them and for me. I just walked to the back, sat down. I got to play the role here, so I'm going to open up my Bible. I have no idea what the pastor's talking about. Hmm. Let's turn to the book of Luke. My brother's name is Luke. And I know my dad told me he named him after uh, Luke in the Bible. Hmm. And I start reading Luke and I'm really struck by what I'm reading and didn't really understand the sermon. Went back home, got on the trolley again. That girl didn't even show up um, in, in God's providence. On the trolley, I'm continuing to read through Luke the rest of that day, the rest of that week. And the Lord saved me wow. reading the book of Luke through reading Luke he showed me Christ. Hmm. He showed me this compassionate Savior who wanted, who, who, who was drawn toward, uh, who was filled with mercy for prostitutes. That's me. Hmm. Demon-possessed people. That's me. The blind, the crippled, yeah. the leper. I really identify with the leper. Christ's miracles, uh, although I didn't understand much doctrine or, or theology at this point, it was quite clear each of these um, miracles that Jesus was doing was a picture of of his salvation and in, in of what he mm-hmm. came to do, and so the Lord saved me, um, and totally threw my you know turned my my world upside down in a good way, and now I was in a huge conundrum, a, a huge crisis because I was in this group, this 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 um, underground hip hop group, Parts of Speech. We were doing multiple shows um, a week. We were opening up for Cats. We had um, songs that we were working on. We had just pressed up a 12-inch, and mm. I, I still owed my share for, mm. for payment for that. And, and, and I kept my word on that. But should I leave my group? Um, no, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stay in the group. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll eventually just try to come up with, with Christian punchlines. Or maybe I'll just take out my curse words. There you go, yeah. Well, that was pretty hard to do. So a couple of weeks later, perform live. And I remember that high that I used to get, um, you know, after, yo, we killed it. Mm-hmm. Man, we, we, we slaughtered that show. Nope. Mm-hmm. Got off stage. 
I just grieved the Lord with my lyrics, my blasphemy, mm. which was, I had a lot of literal blasphemy in my, in my songs. I think I had one punchline um, where, where I was, you know, slandering a Christian, um, um, you know, said something like, battle me, are you sure you'll win? I'll shove you back in your mother's womb so you can be born again. Mm. And just all kinds of, of horrible things, hmm. um, and, and things directly against the Lord. Because when you're trying to worship yourself and exalt self, and, and you go as high as you can, you eventually get to God. Right. <laughs> uh, right. So it actually proves the existence of God in, hmm. in, in battle, battle rapping, proves the existence of Seeming God. apologetic there, bro. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought of that before. But the Lord rescued me, man. And Brother Chris, um, that that conviction that I felt was coupled with the fact there was another Christian, uh, there was a Christian rapper who was performing at this concert here at, um, in Philly. In this would have been September uh, two thousand and one. Okay. A couple weeks after nine eleven. Now the Lord saved me um, to, uh, a week before nine eleven. And this guy, his name is Han Sol. He's been working on a movie for a while, and Han Sol. Fisherman Productions, he's put out a few projects. Okay. Han Sol was so bold to stand up in front of this entire audience, mostly, if not all, non-Christians, and spit his song about Christ and call the people to repentance and faith afterwards. And it, it hit me. That's what I want to do. That's mm. what I have to do. I didn't even, I don't even, people think, you know, some people were booing. Some people left. Hmm. Oh, wow. This dude is speaking the truth. He got off stage and I, I, I shared with him. I, I just gave him my life to Christ. And he said, Tim, man, if you spit for the Lord, the Lord's going to, he's going to bless your ministry tenfold. Or hmm. he gave some kind of number. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. A couple days later, I ended up, um, bumping into a, a guy who was a break dancer and he used to come to our shows, but I knew he was a Christian. And I told him, I gave my life to Christ. And he said, Oh man, I got to introduce you to my friend who also spits for the Lord. And it's crazy that he, he, he spits over the same kind of beats as, mm. as you and your friends. And he has the same kind of style, but it's for Christ. Um, and he introduced me to him and ended up being brother Shai Lin yeah. and Shai took me under his wing, discipled me in the word in Romans and we got, I got plugged into a, a healthy church. And then months later, what began to come out in my rhymes was, was Christ in, in his glory and, um, left the group that I was in. I wrote the song called a letter to my friends yeah, yeah. Uh, to, 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 to communicate that departure to them. I, I spit it for them in person, um, as a way of. One of the brothers cried. Mm. One of the, one of the, the one of the gentlemen cried. The other was furious. Um, uh, and that's all I'll say. Okay. Um, but yeah. So since then, um, that the song reminds me to lift them up in prayer. Uh, and, well, I remember you doing Lord. it here in Pittsburgh in two thousand three, and they were all in the front row or the second row or on the side. You're right, man. They did come. That was yeah. that was encouraging. At least some of them. Um, including some of the cats from the Deadly Scribes crew. You're exactly right. Yeah, and yeah, I was I able to continue outside, some conversation. On the, on the side railing, you sitting there talking to them afterward. Um, yeah. yeah, anyway. You're right, man. Yeah. So the seeds have been sown, and, yep. and we'll continue to pray. Yeah, brother. 
So, so you, you meet up with Shai, he's discipling you, you guys are going through Romans and you start writing the great awakening. That's exactly right. And what's so crazy about that is when I got saved, I had a solo project that I was working on with a producer named DJ Essence, <laughs> who was formerly known as Adolf Thieves. Yeah, the mixtape king. He was an underground mixtape king of Pittsburgh. And um, we were making a, a secular battle project um, uh, as, as, as two non-Christians. And my salvation just totally interrupted that. And as I would go back to Pittsburgh to record with him, and the idea was, okay, so we got three or four songs recorded, Josh. Those are my unsaved songs. And then there's going to be my salvation story, okay? And then the other five songs on the album are, are my Christian songs, okay? So people can see the progression. He was like, great, great idea. That's fine with me. Um, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't in the Lord. He was fine with that. And over time, it became clear that wasn't such a good idea. Um, you know, it seemed clever, but the, the, the lyrics and the content was so um, offensive to the Lord and, and so sinful that it would not have been edifying. Uh, it might have been cool to see, you know, that dramatic transition from um, dead in sins to alive in Christ. Sure. Um, but the Lord ended up saving Josh Juan, uh, a.k.a. DJ Essence through all of those interactions and his mom had taught him the word growing up. And so those seeds were there. Josh gets saved. Um, he comes out and visits Philly when uh, Shai Lin and I had been doing first Friday fundamentals. This was the second or third one we had ever done. It was a monthly Christian hip hop um, concert and, and, and night of fellowship and, and time in the word where one of us would preach a 90-minute sermon wow. um, and do songs based on a theological topic. Sure. Um, one month, it was the Trinity. One month, resurrection. One month, justification. One month, sovereignty of God. And those, those themes were really um, the reason why we wrote songs that ended up on our albums. Mm. Um, but Josh came out. He, was, he experienced First Friday. He was like, man, I'm moving to Philly. He moved hmm. to Philly and started Lamp Mode Recordings, yeah, yeah. and right we recorded, basement. yeah, uh, the 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 Great Awakening, and Shy um, blessed five of those songs with his presence and decided to come on Lamp Mode as well, and in the in that following year, record and release Solus Christus, yeah, man, um, and and around that time, man, we met you, Chris, as you said, did some events out in the Berg and. Um, we're just amazed at how the Lord, it was crazy. The Lord was working in Philly. He was working in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was working in other cities, um, through Christian hip hop. So happened cross movement had already pioneered the way for us, uh, in Philly and was continuing to do um, um, amazing ministry, uh, um, uh, gospel centered, um, music and discipleship right in our midst. And we're able to collaborate with them and other groups, and then eventually when I went to Europe in 2013, realized, wow, the Lord is doing this not only in, in, in North America, yeah, <laughs> he's doing it all over the world, world man. Yeah. So. yeah. And then tell us, so if, if the listeners, watchers here have not experienced the Great Awakening, you guys need to go listen to that album. It's raw. It's underground. Uh, it's one of my favorites, man. So it's God, man. tell us about Killing Sin. How did Killing Sin happen? Yes. And so... Um, just briefly, though, some of the tracks from The Great Awakening were the beats from 
Oh, look at my, that. my secular project. Yeah. Um, which, which songs? Saved by Grace. <laughs> nice. Um, Saved by Grace had a, had a, was, was formerly a battle track, uh, and it, it, be, it was redeemed and used for the Lord. Um, you know, other beats as well that we had, uh, Josh Juan and, and, and had made, um, were, were going to be used for, for evil purpose. We, mm-hmm. we kept the beats and just used them for the Lord. Great. Well, Killing Sin, I started writing um, in 2003 and 2004. It became quite clear as a new believer, you know, if Great Awakening is celebrating regeneration, being born again, being resurrected from being dead in sins and now alive in Christ and newness of life and had a song on there called New Life, celebrating God's sovereign grace and salvation. Um, If that was the focus of the Great Awakening, killing sin had the focus on sanctification and the important active role in sanctification of putting sin to death as God commands us to do in Romans 8, 12, and 13, uh, to, to, to put sin to death, to kill sin. It became quite clear that myself, especially, and the Christians that I was surrounded by, mostly younger Christians, mostly those um, in their early 20s, mid-20s, man, we need to grow yeah. in holiness, and there was, we were surrounded by temptation. Many of us were new, new Christians. And so killing sin was huge. I, I was introduced to the concept of killing sin by John Piper, going through Romans mm-hmm. with John Piper. And he had a series called How to Kill Sin. I remember in three which, parts. That's right, man. That's what introduced me to, to John Owen's Mortification of Sin. Mm-hmm. And so beginning to study... Um, John Owen and, and, and mortification of sin and, and continuing to, to, to read and listen to Piper really influenced the Killing Sin Project. Hmm. Yeah, brother, I did not know about John Piper until I heard your, your albums. And you, yeah, you turned me on to Piper, which interestingly, uh, at, a, at a 2007 conference, Piper had Mark Driscoll and Tim Keller there. And I found out about Acts 29 through wow. Mark Driscoll. And ended up planning a church with Acts 29. So you're, you're in a Praise strange God, way man. connected to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. Yeah. The Lord is yeah. good, bro. So you also did, um, it, was it the collective that came next? You know, um, right a, uh, after Killing Sin was the restoration. Okay. Um, All right. Before the restoration, there were features um, on Believe in Stephen, my brother's mm-hmm. um, project, uh, Suffering in the Sovereignty of God, um, and, and I think maybe a prior project before that, um, uh, Self-Sufficiency of God on the Attributes of God by Shai Lin was 2011. Um, and then, yes, 2012 was Restoration, which really uh, sought to tell the story of what had happened in the several years before then in, in terms of, you know, right after Killing Sin came out, um, around that time I got married and the Lord really began to show me uh, how much I need to learn about Killing Sin. Mm. Uh, and He was very gracious to, to, to patiently teach me uh, to use uh, the gospel as the, the solid bedrock uh, to use my wife and, and faithful shepherding and, and gospel preaching ministry. Um, and so the restoration seeks to tell uh, how uh, the gospel is sufficient. You know, the, uh, there was the, the, uh, the reference or allusion back to the long Puritan titles. So the restoration is the short main title, but the subtitle, I believe, is um, 
the all-sufficiency of Christ in the gospel of grace to restore ruined sinners to himself for their joy and his glory. <laughs> certainly a Puritan so, <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, man, that's what the restoration was all about in, in 2012. And then the okay. collective following year uh, followed that. That's right. With what? Zeta Blacks and then... Uh, Zeta Blacksmith and Stephen, Stephen the Levite. The Levite. Right? That's right. Yeah, the was, purpose of the project. Too, man. man, we had a blast doing it. The purpose of it was to fund our European mission trip okay, that did go that. on and to have songs to perform all together. Um, and so Believe in Stephen and, and DJ Essence joined us um, for about a two or three week trip in Europe. Um, we went from London to Middlesbrough, um, England, and then from there uh, to Amsterdam, uh, from Amsterdam uh, to Poznan, and then Warsaw, Poland, two cities in Poland, and then concluded it um, in Paris. Um, and yeah, in each of those cities, um, spit open air outside on the corner at concerts that were planned by churches, um, hit up a couple open mics, and mm-hmm. even went into a pretty rugged established underground hip-hop club in amsterdam right on the edge of um a, sh- a shady part of 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 town um what they call the red light district mm-hmm. yep. and ended up meeting um some really encouraging um gospel-centered uh dutch uh mcs mm. uh, called hip hope and man, these cats huh. killed it. They, they, they called their friends and their support supporters. They showed up deep at this underground um, nightclub. And what was dope is one, about one out of every three or four people in the club were Christians, oh, wow. um, you know, because of those phone calls. And so when we spit, uh, the believers got rowdy <laughs> and the non-Christians, you know, they're, they're smoking their weed legally right. um, and, and drinking and, and wilding out. And so they're getting hype, you know, to, because the people next to them are. And before they knew it, they were worshiping this God that uh, has been revealing himself to them, but they've mm. been suppressing that truth. And now they're hearing the word. And we got a chance to pray uh, with, with some of the, the secular rappers who were present mm. and were, um, you know, excited that, that we were there. So yeah, that was a, a, an amazing opportunity to, uh, to minister the gospel through hip hop and really to have the opportunity to preach the word, especially open air. Yeah. And this is where it became clear. Freestyling really has its purpose in evangelism mm. because, you know, you can spit a song um, about sanctification, uh, real in depth, breaking down the theology of sanctification, but that's probably not the most helpful for a non-Christian. Right, for sure. Um, and so, on the spot, improvising and in, in, in spitting um, uh, freestyle-wise uh, was a very useful way, and still is, uh, for, for sharing the gospel for, for unbelievers. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very missional uh, way to to evangelize people. Yeah. So, and then you, you did the unfolding next, correct? That's right. And now that's so, a bigger project, man. How long did that take? Right. And what was that process? You know, the first song I wrote on uh, the unfolding was in uh, Amsterdam. Nice. Uh, while we were on, in, you know, uh, on the European mission trip in 2013. 
And the album wow. did not come out until 2018. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so it was a five-year project. And it was basically me taking what I was learning uh, in the Master of Divinity and the THM program at Westminster and distilling it. But in particular, really trying to draw out the way that the entire Bible is about Christ, mm-hmm. not just the New Testament. In particular, the ways that the various themes in Scripture um, connect to the person and work of Jesus. Uh, for it to be a resource to help God's people better understand their Bibles and to see uh, that this is the, the most amazing story ever written in all of the ways that it's, it's connected. And not just for the cool connections, but for the sake of the power of the gospel. Mm. Uh, so that when you're in Leviticus, in Genesis, in Proverbs, in Isaiah, uh, in Zechariah, or in Luke, uh, you can see how uh, whatever passage you're in, whatever themes are coming out, are in one way or another connected to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which Paul says in Romans 1, 1 and 2, is God's promise that he made about his son beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. So, in other words, Paul says the Old Testament Scriptures have the gospel and and consist of the gospel. You know, uh, uh, Jesus died for our sins, uh, was buried, um, and rose from the dead according to the scriptures, Paul mm-hmm. says, according to the scriptures twice there. And so it's, it's based on the Old Testament uh, that, that Paul and, 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 and the New Testament writers, and we see in Acts, these cats use the OT mm-hmm. uh, to preach the gospel. So really just wanted others to have the same um, joy and experience uh, of relishing and, and feasting upon God's word and getting to know Christ and his glory uh, from the Old Testament. And so the unfolding has the idea of the way that the gospel story unfolds, you know, from Genesis 3.15 onwards, the offspring of the woman, mm-hmm. it becomes clearer through progressive revelation. He's the offspring of Abraham. Uh, who will bless all nations. He's the offspring of David, who will uh, sit on David's throne forever and, and build his temple kingdom, and he's, he's Jesus Christ. And through right. union with Christ, we are, we are the plural offspring. We are uh, a part of the collective offspring uh, in Jesus. So the promises made to Abraham, since they've been fulfilled in Christ, they're for us too, yeah. uh, Jew or Gentile, all who are united to Jesus by faith. Galatians 3, right? We are by faith the children of Abraham. Him. Amen. Man. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a redemptive historical cat myself, brother. So I'm with oh, you, brother. I like uh, Sinclair Ferguson and Tim Keller and Clowney. Those guys, I appreciate Praise them. God, man. Yeah, they're, dope. They're, they've been a blessing. So, brother, um, is there anything else you want to say before we get into your most recent? Uh, we could say maybe trouble on the internet. <laughs> oh, sure, man. Yes. The, what I should say is. Outside of salvation in Christ, the the next best thing that ever happened to me was getting married to Mm. Floriana Flo. Um, What year was that? My wife was 2005. Okay. So my wife um, is an Angolan immigrant who has been in the U.S. since she was four. Um, And um, the Lord saved her a couple years before we met. Um, And when the Lord saved us, uh, when, 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 you know, we had no idea what he was going to have in, in, in store. Um, he, he saved her, um, before I knew her and he saved me before she knew me. Um, but our unique backgrounds, you know, would be woven together in our marriage. And we did not know we would end up having, uh, nine children. We have eight living, four boys, four girls, 
um, one, one with the Lord, mm-hmm. Johanna. And so um, I can go ahead and, and seek to, sh- to show a little picture. Please do. Um, if I can, let's see if I can find it. Um, yeah, while you're looking, brother, I want to say that I have no idea how you accomplish all that you accomplish with all those children, brother. <laughs> that's that's wow, a job man. in and of itself, man. Yes, the Lord gives us grace. Um, he is very faithful, um, and he he shows us our great need of Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm not sure why it's not uh, showing as one of the the the, the options of files. There's only a handful. Maybe I just have too many files open, uh, but people can go to Timothy Brindle ministries.com and, um, and, and, uh, see, see the family. Uh, okay, here we go. Here we are. This is the most recent, uh, a most recent picture from this past March. And you, oh, yeah, you repping, repping the black and gold there. Look at those kids, man. Yeah. You got the Pittsburgh gear on. That's what I'm talking about, man. Praise your family's God, man. beautiful, brother. Praise the Lord, man. Wow. Man. Thanks so, to the Lord real and my quick wife. Question, your your yes. child that is with the Lord, was that a miscarriage or was that child born? Great question, man. Um, so Johanna passed away um at eight months. My wife mm. was eight months pregnant. Wow. Um, and so it, it was a super late, mm. you could call it a miscarriage, but actually um you know, close to stillborn. My wife still had to deliver her. Mm. That was the most painful experience, our our closest encounter with death. Mm. Um, you know, holding her uh, wrapped up in, in a blanket, um, burying her, burying her, uh, that was 2015. Mm. So sh- she would have been a little younger than this guy right here, Asaf, mm. um, who, who's in the, in the red, uh, in gray striped shirt, um, and, and a little bit older than Timmy, the, the youngest son the, um, so yes, but we, we are grateful that Christ is the resurrection That's right. and he is not the God of the dead, but the living ones. Right. And uh, we, we look forward to rejoicing with Johanna on that great day. Yeah. Um, but praise God for my wife and my kids, man. Um, we've got two teenagers now, Natalia and Micaiah. Tell us their names from uh, uh, your, your boy opposite you, the big guy. Yes, that's Micaiah Brindle great baseball player and he loves the Pittsburgh pirates. Um, and he's become better than me in baseball. Um, so he's 13 next to him is Evangeline. Uh, Evangeline is nine. Um, she has her, her hand around our youngest son right below her. That's, uh, Timmy Brindle jr. Timothy jr. Um, and her left hand is around Asaf in the red and gray shirt. Uh, my wife is holding Sophia, our youngest, uh, who will be two in February. Cute. And right in front of uh, my wife is Madalena, who is uh, about to be 11. Wow. Next to uh, my wife, who's almost as tall as my wife and me, uh, is Natalia, our oldest. She's 14. And right under her is, is Justice, uh, J-U-S-T-U-S, nice. uh, from Acts 18. So she named the, the, the females, she named the girls. So they have elegant, um, beautiful names. For sure. And uh, I named the boys. And so um, it goes O-T-N-T, O-T-N-T. <laughs> so you got Micaiah, First Kings 22, and then uh, Justice from Acts 18, Asaph, the psalmist, mm-hmm. and then Timothy. Um, so not named after you, but after Apostle Paul, son in the faith. 
Exactly. That's right. <laughs> love it. Brother, you have a beautiful family, man. God bless you guys. Praise God. I love bro. it. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to say, brother, you are an encouragement to those with families who are trying to also do ministry and man, even just kind of survive sometimes, right? <laughs> yes, man. And, and yet I can just truly say the Lord has used my wife and my kids to help me grow in him so mm. much to know his love as a father, um, to know his patience, um, but also my children's, um, those, you know, they're, they're growing in the Lord and just to see God's faithfulness in them, um, has been a huge encouragement to me. Yeah. And so grateful, grateful for that, man. And so we're just trying to spread the kingdom, the good old fashioned way. That's right. Yeah. Be fruitful and multiply. That's right. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you brother for sharing that photo. Yes. Um, beautiful family, man. Congratulations. And I know Thanks you're, God, uh, you're probably catechizing and teaching them the word and, Yes, and, and, and they, uh, they helped me learn as well. For sure. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be sure to check out part two of Timothy Brendel's interview where he explores the gospel and critical race theory.